Welcome to another Ember Weekend. I'm Jonathan Jackson. And I'm Chase McCarthy. And I'm Robert Jackson. And we are here to talk about newsy stuff. And uh, I think this time we're going to be talking about some RFCs again. I guess that's not really a surprise anymore, is it? No, I don't think so. Mostly RFC talk these days. We got a lot of a lot of design work happening, so it's good. It's, it's good yeah, stuff. Yeah, it seems like it seems like there is a lot of movement, a lot of momentum right now, which is really great. Great to see. I guess there's a couple of things that are. Uh, worth mentioning, including the fact that I'm moving along with several of my colleagues to a company called Adapar. And obviously, I wanted to do a shout out uh, to one, uh, my former company who is acquired, quote, I think that's the right term, to Adapar. Uh, they were former sponsors of ours. So it's really great to have have a new story for them to tell. Yeah, congratulations. Woo. Sounds amazing. <laughs> And then the other thing we want to mention is that there is an Ember.js documentary that is coming out soon. It will likely be released before uh, our next episode. So if you're curious about seeing kind of the origins of Ember as told by the people who created it, it might be worth your time to take a look at that. And likely, if you're listening to this by the time of release, it's probably out. So take a look. And then uh, lastly, I think we all have a confession. And the confession is that we're all hopelessly addicted to Monster Hunter World. Is that correct? Long sword for the win. Yeah. Hi, my name is Chase and I have a problem. <laughs> I have a problem. You're you're doing the greatsword thing. I don't understand how you do that, man. Like, I mean, I just get my ass kicked every time I do that. Sorry, right if you just want to take one swing every thirty seconds. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I do have I do have a joke around this, but unfortunately, it requires some setup, and I'm gonna forego the setup and just assume that you're intimately familiar with Monster Hunter, and that is we're going to make a new Ember rendering engine called Zenny. Anybody? Uh, it sounds sounds great. Yeah, for those of you like normal humans that don't know why that joke is maybe even remotely funny to John, the prior, uh, the current rendering engine is named Glimmer, which also happens to be the in-game currency of my former favorite game, Destiny. Well, and many others. I believe there was several core team members who were into Destiny. Indeed, indeed. My favorite part of that is that you just accidentally said the prior glimmer, uh, engine was called Glimmer, which means that we have official word that Glimmer's been deprecated and for it in favor of Zenny. So uh, you know what? I'll oh, uh, I'll send the PR uh, after the recording. <laughs> nice, nice. That's really good. Yeah, get on there, Robin. Also, you should just reorchestrate the entire build system. You know, obviously. See, yeah, seems you know, seems good. Let's do it. But do it, but do it seamlessly, such that no one has to change any of their actual code. Mm, so. Okay, all right. Go ahead and just you've got a pretty good track record of that, right? <laughs> Like, that's that's actually true. Yeah. <laughs> Change the engine out of the plane while it's flying. Sounds good. Yeah, yeah. That has been done. Uh, that has been done twice. at least once. No, twice, right? Right. Because well, H, H smell bar is like that was a pretty no, we big. Did, yeah, we did it in one ten. We did it in two ten. Yeah, come on. Uh, you just didn't notice. There, you just didn't notice. There was a little friction in the first the first one. The HTML bar. I mean, there was no some... one said the airplane didn't have to crash into the ground first. Come on. <laughs> well, just, so yeah, it just has to be changed while <laughs> exactly. flying, and then whether it keeps flying is. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right. All right. Well, yeah. At least, at least one. Yeah, for the most okay, part, greater it than well, one. So. Greater, greater than or equal to one time. For the most part, it, it has been well, done. Though. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. So, okay. <laughs> enough about all that. That's that's ridiculous. Monster Hunter World, though. If anyone is interested in it, there is a games channel on the EmberJS Discord, and you should definitely uh, reach out to me there. I guess we're just going to dive in. Let's uh, let's let's do it. I wanted to bring up a listener of the show, ping me after the last episode, or maybe the second to last episode, where we talked a little bit about getting notifications, how do we manage them, what do we deal with them. And uh, and they suggested, at the time, I said, I, well, I'm mostly just using email because GitHub notifications on the website, the system on the website, 
is just horrible to, to use and go through. Um, and this person suggested that I take a look at octobox.io. Subsequently, like, like within a week of, of them pinging me about it, I also happened to see a podcast from the Changelog podcast uh, with the uh, creators of Octobox. And so I, I picked it up and started using it. I actually quite like it. It's reduced the amount of time that it takes me to work through my notifications by over half. It groups them better. It lets me filter them uh, to like weed out the bot noise versus whatever. All of those things I could have done with the email system, I just didn't. And I uh, didn't really realize how much time I was wasting. And uh, I quite quite like it. So I'm going to listen to the ChangeLog podcast. Unfortunately, I didn't, I didn't have a chance to before recording this, but... What does this do differently? How does this distinguish itself from just regular old GitHub notifications? I know, I know that there's some pain around like things disappearing, like yeah. after you've clicked them, they disappear. Yeah, but there's now Marcus and Red. Thing. Yeah, GitHub recently added a thing to Marcus and Red, which would let you keep it or not lose the notification. But still, I kind of want the inverse. I kind of want to keep a thing until I say it's done or it's gone or I archive it. Oftentimes, I'll go to a link or an issue many times, or I'll read it and think about it and come back to it or whatever. And having to click Marcus and Red each time would be is pretty frustrating. The other thing is that it is currently in GitHub system hard to differentiate between sort of the noise and the signal. So you'll get notifications for things like um, bot merges or or whatever if you've got something like Greenkeeper or uh, Dependabot or Renovate or one of those things set up. And, and oftentimes I just don't care about those unless they fail CI, right? So so I have a a filter set up in Octobox where I just, I suppress them by default and I only look at them when uh, when there's actually a failure. Because normally, uh, it's fine. The, the bot's going to do its thing. It's going to update the minimum versions. Once it's passed, it's going to auto-merge and I don't ever have to look at it. That's the beauty of the system. So that's, that's just one example. Uh, another thing that's really nice is that it shows you, or you can easily see the reason you've got a notification. So if it was a, a mention, that's kind of higher weight to me than uh, something I subscribe to but don't maintain just as an example. Um, so th- those are just some of the things. When you mark one of these as red, does it get synced to GitHub? So like, does GitHub just delete yeah. it at that point? Yeah, so there's there's two actions you can do in here. One is mark as red and one is archive. So when you mark as red, it does mark in GitHub as red. And when you archive, it also marks as red. But when but when you mark as red in Octobox, it's red. It, it's marked as red, so it's not bolded or whatever in the UI, but it stays in, in the inbox. It, it looks akin to a Google, uh, a, a Gmail inbox, right? So it stays there until you say archive it, like to complete okay. it, essentially. So there's basically three states. There's unread, there's read, and then there's archived. So that changes the entire thing from being a notification system to being an inbox. Yeah, I mean, but I, I, I liked that before. I, I was using email before, so inbox is familiar to me. No, no, no. I mean, I, I understand. <laughs> I mean, I, it's, it's I, more I, like I, you did make the, you did make this you did make the strong case that uh, that email has you know thirty years exactly. of tools. And, yes, and, and that's and, why and, and other and tools that, that work well are also built essentially on uh, email workflows, right? Oh yeah, no, of course, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. It looks interesting. Uh, is it is it a paid thing? I think I, I saw I thought I saw a pricing. It's thing. paid if you want private notifications. So it's, I think, 10 bucks a month, I think, uh, if you want private. Wait, what, what does private notifications mean? GitHub recently allowed unlimited private repos um, for free, uh-huh. I think. Um, used to be paid. And if you want to see notifications for private repos, that is the paid feature. Oh, I see. I see. Okay. That seems pretty reasonable. Yeah. I mean, that means that for, for open source, you can use it for free. Yep. Yep, exactly. And that's the, that's the goal. Cool. Uh, they, they actually, the Octobox folks had a recent blog post 
I don't have it handy, but I can link it in the in the notes. A recent blog post about they're basically trying to make Octobox a sustainable thing. So the two co-founders have been uh, working on it for I think six months, maybe more, like full time. That's their uh, you know job. But they're trying to also do the like the sustainable open source thing and have uh, sponsor contributors and all sorts of stuff. So, anyways, that that's all in the podcast. Uh, you should listen to that for details. Yeah, and and while we're while we're talking about you know managing your notification workflow and 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 keeping up to date with things in the open source realm, could you talk us through this? You 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 mentioned that we had, we'd already probably talked about this, but there's like an RFC auto publish yeah. that goes to GitHub now. Yeah, I think you know I could have sworn we mentioned it uh, at one point, but uh, I believe that the, the this is a, a very similar thing that the Rust project does, where the RFCs repo is auto published to GitHub Pages, and I actually quite like the presentation of of this, like having all the RFCs listed here instead of having to go to GitHub and like view each individual Markdown file in line. It's just kind of nice to be in the. Uh, in in sort of a more normal web format, it's also really quick to just really like ah uh, you know command F modifier manager and hit go or something like that. It's really easy to find things. Now that's still totally very easy on GitHub, so I realize this is a really small difference, but I like seeing it published on the web, and it's nice to link to it because you can link deeply to like different headers inside the RFC, which is quite nice. Uh, whereas on, on GitHub, you can link to the document, but it's hard to say hey. Go look at this specific section. It's hard to link directly to a deep section. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and I think we might start uh, doing at least some of our uh, RFC links in our show notes um, this way because it just it looks a little nicer too. I think maybe that's debatable, but I, I think it looks nice. And uh, just being able to have like a little more stable link. Yeah, and I think the the only caveat right now, uh, and this may be permanent, but the only caveat right now is that the only thing that you see in this site is mer- are merged RFCs. So. Any RFCs that are still pending, uh, like for for discussion, they wouldn't be here because they're still open PRs. This is only going to publish them upon merge, basically. Like it's a it's like a CI job. Yeah, one of the things that's interesting about it is you can actually go through the numbers and see these gaps. Where like like you can see what the uh, the success rate for an RFC is. It's, uh... <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> the the funny, other thing yeah. is uh, it's it, there's some of the numbers that are duplicated. So like there's two threes. One twenty. There's two threes. There's two. Yeah. So the reason for that is because we merged the Ember CLI RFCs with the Ember RFCs together. So there's only mm-hmm. one, like one RFCs repo. It's like the, the fire hose of uh, RFCs. And uh, and that that recently happened. Uh, I want to say it's just been a couple of weeks since that happened. But uh, but it's, 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 uh, it's really good. Uh, it means that you can basically follow one, one repo and just unsubscribe uh, as you need to to different RFCs that you don't care about. But it makes it easier for folks to figure out where to submit changes and all that jazz. Well, that's pretty cool. Uh, I'm looking forward to uh, checking out Octobox and uh, linking to the RFC stuff. So, uh, Robert, tell me about Glimmer Components. Because the last time we talked, they were different than they are now. And they weren't merged, and now they are. So, this is a recurring theme. As we we did a big roundup of a bunch of RFCs, I want to say... Six of them, I want to say. I don't know. It could be eight. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. But some yeah. some large number. Yeah. Um, a huge amount of those have been merged, um, which is great. The RFC process sort of helped uh, iterate towards a final solution that worked really well. The RFC system let us iterate towards a solution that, that was good uh, and, and solve problems. And uh, in, in the Glimmer Components case, 
we actually totally revamped the thing since we talked about it. So what happened was there used to be lots of hooks that were roughly analogous to the hooks that you imagine being an ember.component, like did render and did update and did insert element and all that stuff. And the final merged version of Glimmer Component RFC has no hooks. Well, really, they only have the constructor and will destroy. That is it. All of the other hooks are gone. Uh, we don't have any of them. And I think that is a wonderful thing. It is way simpler to reason about and think about. Okay, could you could you explain the use case for, say, something simple like just attaching some jQuery thing to an element? Yes, in so, so this, this dives into element modifiers, which is uh, another subject that we're going to talk about a little bit in uh, this episode. But uh, basically, the idea is, since number components, the template of them are sort of outer HTML, the template, uh, the, the root element in the template itself is actually the main element. So unlike ember.component, where to access the root element or to, to decorate the root element or do anything on it, you have to do it in JavaScript land. In Glimmer component land, you can just put your normal, like, the, you just write HTML just like you normally do in your, in your handlebars, and it just works, right? So because that's now simple, it's very straightforward, we don't need the JavaScript APIs to do the same work. So this is where we lean on the rendering element modifiers like did insert or did update or will destroy, and you just put those element modifiers right on the, uh, the specific element that you want to have a function called when you insert it, and that's, that's how you do it. So if you wanted to, you could literally write a did insert element uh, method on your Glimmer component, and then in your top-level element, you say curly curly did insert and say uh, and then invoke this dot did insert element and it's going to work. It's going to do the same thing you're used to. Well, doing. yeah, but the the, in, the invocation is funny, right? Yeah, I, I just saw the RFC. The invocation has to be passed through the action helper. So you right? either have to do that. Uh, so so uh, the idea is that the did insert is going to invoke a function. It doesn't bind it to anything, so it's just invoking a function. So if you just pass it an unbound function, it won't have the right this context if you care about that. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you're uh, doing like a pure function yeah, thing, so yeah. it's fine. But if you do care about it, you're either going to have to use action to get that binding. There's also a bind helper, uh, which is a great add-on. Mm. Ember bind helper, I think it's called. Or uh, there's a nice decorator that lets you bind in the JS space, which is actually a little bit nicer in my mind. So you can either mark it as at action that works today with Ember decorators, or you can do at bind and pull in a bind uh, decorator as well. The point isn't that you have to pass the reaction. It's just that it's not bound. So if you want to this context inside there, you're going to have to do something to make that happen. Right. Like yeah, you could just totally. pass that, this as totally. the first argument mm-hmm. and have a context. Yeah, you could you can imagine doing that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I think that that seems really clean. So last we spoke, we were talking about how, oh, like with element modifiers, you kind of don't need all the service area. And it seems like the next logical conclusion before this thing got merged was it's like, hey, we can even take it further and push more responsibility yeah. into the element modifier RC. Yeah, it basically makes the template a more correct source of truth for the things that are involving the DOM. Another thing that, so so I actually, <laughs> I actually was very strongly opposed to this originally. And then I started, I uh, took a step back and tried to figure out why. And I started looking at apps that I work on and help with and maintain. And if you look at your components, at least in, in these apps that I looked at, um, I assume you'll, you'll probably have a similar uh, result. But I was noticing that the vast majority of them actually don't use the set element or did insert element or these hooks. They're just doing like computer properties. They're like presenting stuff for the, the template to invoke computer properties and, and whatnot. They're doing mm-hmm. some setup. They, they work with a service or, you know, whatever. They might have actions. But it's not really about specifically interacting with the DOM directly in JS space or 
uh, using Git Start Element to, to do stuff. And, and I found that roughly 80% of the components uh, that, that I, I did a quick, some quick math, uh, roughly 80% of the components in these apps don't do anything with DOM, right, at all, right? They're just, they have templates and that's how they DOM, but they don't need to reach in and touch this at element or this at dollar or any of that. Yeah, I mean, with the, with the possible and notable exception, like in my own mind of like modifying the containing element. I think it's very frequent that you add classes to in to your own. Space. Yeah, but that's so to your own element. And in Glimmer Component Land, you don't even need to do that because you would do that in your right. own. Yeah, in the yeah. and that's that's already solved by... by yep. um, exactly, spot exactly. And, and I think yeah. uh, uh, Chris Garrett, actually, uh, the author of many of these RFCs, uh, I believe, said it really well, which is basically that it is generally uncommon to use the DOM in your component, but it's very common to have at least one component that you do need to in an app, right? So, so most components don't, but you're likely going to need one or two in an app that, that do that, right? So that, that leads us really well into the next item, which is that the rendering element modifiers RFC also merged. It, it proposes, but it changed a bit as well. And it changed from being a built-in functionality of the core system to being an add-on that you just install. So the, the add-on is published. It's called at ember slash render modifiers. And it provides did insert, did update, and will destroy modifiers. Why are these not in the core of the framework? Why why are these being added as a as an add-on rather than core? I feel like I feel like you, if you use Glimmer components, you must use these. Um, now so so with the remember, I, I just said that roughly eighty percent of your components won't need it because they don't. It just doesn't matter, right? So that's that's one reason. The other reason is because we don't we don't think that we have cracked the nut, so to speak, or have the best solution for this uh, yet, and I think we can continue iterating on it, and it's easier and better to do that in an add-on space, right? In an add-on. So, okay. so yeah, it, it, is, it is not like one of those situations where this is add-on, go do this thing if you need to do it, but we think it's bad. It's totally a thing we think you should use. The guides website will totally have, like, ah, in, in, the, in the section that currently is labeled, uh, I think, component lifecycle or something like that, where it talks about didn't sure, yeah. it's going to say, ah, DOM access, and if you're trying to do this thing, here's how you do that. You install this add-on, right? It is going to be a very first-party experience, and it's going to be normal. But when you're sitting down to write an app, you're not reaching for these things right away. You're 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 going to reach for them eventually when you need them. But it's not it's not going to be the first thing you need out of the box, right? And I think uh, the nice thing about having them as an add-on means that we can iterate, we can work on different systems, different solutions, different possibilities. And I think that's uh, I think it's a really good thing, right? And I, I made a note here uh, just to, for my own uh, edification, uh, around Ember render, render Modifiers only allows you to use did insert, did update, and will destroy. Are those what is outlined in the RFC? Yeah, that's exactly what the RFC proposes. Okay, it's just those three. There's no, there's not like, so eventually you'll be able to do custom element modifiers. So, so Ember 3.8 allows you to write your own modifier managers today. And you could make any modifier that you want and uh, right. you can implement the manager for it. Now, the problem is that the manager API is, it's a low-level API. It isn't pretty. There are some gotchas because it's, it's low-level and it's meant to have lots of features, but not necessarily be the easiest thing to use, right? So we, we totally expect that people will write other add-ons that will make it easier, like, uh, you know, simple modifier, like Ember simple modifiers or something like that. That's an add-on that I, I have generated locally, but haven't finished writing yet. But essentially, like, you should be able to write modifiers as easy as you write helpers today. I just have a base class. I... Uh, maybe it's yeah. a pure function, maybe it's a this or that, whatever. And you should totally be able to write that. You should also totally be able to write the the thing, uh, the Reacty thing, where you get hooks and you can return a, you can return a function and that's your destructor and all that stuff. That all should be possible to do with the current API, but it's a little bit low level to to really go to go to town and implement on your own. But the nice thing is that I 
I wrote a, uh, for this Ember Render Modifiers uh, add-on, I also wrote a man- Modifier Manager Polyfill, which works back. I've it, The CI of it tests back to Ember 2.12. I didn't go any further than that, but largely because I hit the end of the night and I fell asleep in my chair. So pro- <laughs> probably can, like I didn't try. So Ember itself has, has, the co- has had the concept of modifiers for a super long time. Like basically since yeah, one ever X, since action right, right? yeah, so one, yeah. I mean in in the early one there one X's there was bind bind adder as well right and that was also like that was yeah so put your way back head on for that oh, yeah. one but wow um, yeah that was before that's ember one yeah, bind adder is in the same space yeah yeah that's true so it's basically the same kind of thing the idea was uh, I wanted to make it so that add-ons felt comfortable updating to use modifiers themselves and uh, given that there's like an angle bracket invocation polyfill. Uh, now there's the modifier manager polyfill. You could totally author an add-on in the the new style and not have to drop support for for your user and make a major breaking change and whatnot. Because like Ember 2.12 is actually quite old uh, at this point. It's been unsupported by Ember itself for what I don't know a year, half a year, something like that. So it's it's that's a that's a really trippy thought actually. Because we we have we have several probably months or even uh, even a year of. Of episodes where that's the thing we're talking about, like two twelve plus. Yeah, it's uh, hey, time flies when you're having fun. Yeah. Time time flies when you're having fun in, in Emberland. Yeah, yeah. The other day I had to I had to actually like tell somebody like how long we've been doing the podcast, and I totaled it up, and I was like, oh my god, has it been that long? Yeah, yeah. yeah I think I mean it's we started in 2015. I think. Yeah. So 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 two dot twelve was released on March fifteenth of twenty seventeen. So it's right. been, yeah, it's been, it's been uh, close to close to two years, not quite two years, but close to two years yeah. now. So we have one more thing on our on our docket specifically to talk around Ember modifiers. Could you tell me a little bit about uh, splash attribute forwarding? Uh, yes. So first of all, just to recap, splash attributes are when so with Ingerbrack invocation, you can pass both arguments and attributes. Um, that was one of the major features of of Ingerbrack invocation. So if you prefix a hash argument with at it's going to be an argument to the thing you're invoking. And if you don't, it's going to be an attribute to it. And uh, wherever that thing puts dot, dot, dot attributes in its template, that's where those attributes are going to get applied that el- to that element. So previously, you used to have to muck a lot with attribute bindings and components, especially if you're making third-party you know, generic use components, where you might have to bind literally every possible attribute anybody might ever want from you, which is a very big list, by the way, even for th- simple things. So you don't have to do that anymore. They can just pass you attributes and they get applied to wherever you put dot, dot, dot attributes in your template, which is great. Now, the, the mm-hmm. question came up, the angle back at RFC landed. And then after it landed, the modifier manager RFC landed. And the two don't really talk about each other at all, really. But the thing that's important is that the modifier is essentially in attribute space. It is basically an attribute. It gets to operate on the element. It can add attributes or classes or style or whatever. Um, it can add listeners. It can do all sorts of things. So this RFC was a was a quick amendment to the angle bracket invocation RFC, which basically just says if you pass a modifier in the invocation, it is treated like an attribute and it's applied on the element on the inside. Now that that opens up some pretty cool possibilities of composition in uh, in templates. For example, if you invoke a component with angle brackets, you can now have you can theoretically have uh, a did insert that you attach. That your callback will get called when that thing is appended to the DOM, which is kind of neat. Uh, you could also have like a click handler or a, like you can add events and all sorts of things. Aren't these different things though? Like um, I can imagine wanting to add invocation time, pass in these things as distinct 
things. Like, have the same rules as the splat attributes, but, like, put the class attributes on a thing, like the things that are literally, like, you know, class equals this or, you know, style equals that, whatever, right? Pass that directly through, but then maybe I want to also pass in an element modifier and I want to invoke it on a very specific, like, div somewhere else. Is that is that a, is that a thing that's possible to do right now with this? So first of all, the thing you're invoking doesn't get access to the attributes at all. It can't like iterate them. It doesn't get them passed. It's not. It, they have no. They don't see them. They don't know they exist at all. I mean, in theory, they could introspect their element and see there's extra stuff on it that they didn't put there. But that's basically it, right? So that's that's one thing. I could totally imagine you you want to keep them uh, like apply them to different places, and I think that's what you're saying. Like you might want to apply modifiers yeah, exactly. to this place and yeah. uh, attributes in that place. Yes. But since a large amount of the attributes or the modifiers are going to be modifying attributes in, el- in the element, just like the attribute thing, it makes t- so to me it makes most sense to think of them as hey anything modifying the element that is in dot dot attributes that's like a conceptually similar know. box. So you can imagine like for example something that wants to to manage style in a in a more safe way than than literally concatenating style strings, you, where you could do element and you just use the you know style dot like color or something, right? Like you actually set the individual sure. sub-properties uh, like, you, like mm-hmm. you can in like modern element stuff. And, uh, and you can do that in, um, in a modifier, right? I think the, the idea here is that the call site gets to pass extra stuff and you get to pick when you're invoked what element is really important for them to pass stuff to you. I think having there be separate things is actually more confusing than helpful. Well, I, you know, I just, I just wonder though, because like, I also think that element modifiers are going to be used to do tracking and analytics. I, I think that that's very, that will be very common. And those are not attributes and nor do they really end up doing I, the same thing. But I agree they, they're not attributes. I, I but think at that point, you'd end up, you'd end up putting them inside of the component rather than passing them in attributes. I think maybe you're, you're, the argument would be that the element modifiers that you pass in it at invocation site are going to be ones that are going to modify whatever is considered the, you know, the, the main, or the main the attributes yeah. are going to end up going. Yeah. yeah. Which, which seems like a reasonable distinction, but I don't know how you do it. Because, I mean, there's like, there's an actual thing inside of the Glimmer engine that literally looks for the actual string dot, dot, dot attribute, right? Right, right. And we can add another one theoretically yeah. and say dot, dot, dot modifiers if we actually cared. We did yeah, talk about yeah. that actually, having, you know, dot, dot, dot element, dot, dot, dot yield or something like that to, to mean the other, to mean mm-hmm. the opposite. Or, or to have that be a superset of both attributes and modifiers, have something else that's all the right. things. But that that attributes as a name could just mean attributes, and that that that's modifiers could mean modifiers, and it'd be a global thing. Sure. Uh, we talked about that. We can still do that, but it's kind of like a Yagni sort of situation, right? Like we might need that, and when we do, we can run an RFC, and it'll be great. Yeah, I think that's. that's uh, it's better to start. In my mind, it's better to start small and do a simple thing, and then. Yeah, a simple thing that's convenient and it's not like you couldn't work around it very, very yeah. easily by just moving yeah. the function to the subcomponent if you want it to be. Yeah, and I think spot. tracking is a great example where conceptually, if I'm allowed to pass attributes, like I might be able to style a thing specially, then the thing that I'm able to style is probably also the thing I care about, right? Like like just yeah. generally speaking, it, it like you're talking about page views and impressions, you're probably going to try to style it, for example, right? So it's 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 a reasonable default in the future, should we decide that we want to do a different thing, we can totally like either deprecate that, that attributes and make two different things or just make it possible to specify them separately or who knows? I don't know. But but uh, it was totally brought up and uh, like it's a good question. I, you know. I had an idea for one of your uh, 
one of your modifier helpers if you end up writing that. Which maybe maybe this exists and you can just tell me, is there a way to call a modifier based off a name rather than rather than knowing the actual thing? Like just like a call. Stay tuned for another episode. Uh, there is an open <laughs> RFC. There's, there's an open RFC called essentially what you're asking is can you like the component helper invokes yeah. dynamically, right? The same thing is true of uh, so so today you already you can't do anything dynamic with helpers and you can't do anything dynamic with modifiers. There's an open RFC that is called Contextual Helpers and Modifiers by Godfrey Chan. And that's what it does. It is in final comment period now. Hopefully it's merged in the next, uh, the next round of core team meetings and whatnot. And, uh, and it, it basically proposes being able to create curried helpers. And whenever you uh, render a thing that it's, 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 a, it's a, a renderable and it sort of starts us down the path of things like named blocks and possibly template imports. So it's, I don't know, it's really nice. All right, so that's all we have for this week. As mentioned, we already have stuff for next week, so stay tuned. I'm Chase McCarthy. And I'm Jonathan Jackson. I'm Robert Jackson. And we'll see you next week. 